Volume three, chapter thirteen of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwen Wynn, a romance of the Y by Main Reed. Volume three, chapter thirteen. A brace of body snatchers what with the high hills that shut in the valley of the wye and the hanging woods that clothe their steep slopes the nights there are often so dark as to justify the familiar saying you couldn't see your hand before you i have been out on some when a white kerchief held within three feet of the eye was absolutely invisible and it required a skilful jehu with best patent lamps to keep carriage wheels upon the causeway of the road such a night has drawn down over rugs ferry shrouding the place in impenetrable gloom situated in a concavity as it were at the bottom of an extinct volcanic crater the obscurity is deeper than elsewhere to-night alike covering the welsh harp detached dwelling-houses chapel and burying ground as with a pole not a ray of light scintillates anywhere for the hour is after midnight and everybody has retired to rest the weak glimmer of candles from cottage windows has the stronger glare through those of the hotel tavern no longer to be seen in the last every lamp is extinguished its latest sitting guest if it have any guest having gone to bed some of the poachers and night-netters may be astir if so they are abroad and not about the place since it is just at such hours they are away from it for all two men are near by seemingly moving with as much stealth as any trespassers after fish or game and with even more mystery in their movements the place occupied by them is the shadowed corner under the wall of the chapel cemetery where captain ryecroft saw three men embarking on a boat these are also in a boat but not one in the act of rowing off from the river's edge instead just being brought into it soon as its cutwater strikes against the bank one of the men rising to his feet leaps out upon the land and attaches the painter to a sapling by giving it two or three turns around the stem then facing back towards the boat he says hand me them things and look out not to let them rattle ye need i no fear about that rejoins the other who has now unshipped the oars and stowed them fore and aft along the thwarts they not being the things asked for then stooping down he lifts something out of the boat's bottom and passes it over the side repeating the movement three or four times the things thus transferred from one to the other are handed by both as delicately as though they were pheasants or plover's eggs instead of what they are an ordinary set of grey diggers tools spade shovel and mattock there is besides a bundle of something soft which as there is no danger of its making noise is tossed up to the top of the bank 
he who has flung follows it and the two gathering up the hardware after some words exchanged in muttered tone mount over the cemetery wall the younger first leaps it stretching back and giving a hand to the other an old man who finds some difficulty in the ascent inside the sacred precincts they pause partly to apportion the tools but as much to make sure that they have not hitherto been heard seen they could not be before or now becoming satisfied that the coast is clear the younger man says in a whisper it'll be all right i think every livin' sinner and there be a good wean o oh, that striped boat here have gone to bed as for him blackest o the lot who lives in the house adjoining ain't like he's at home good as sure down at langoran court where just now he finds quarters more comfortable we ain't nothing to fear i take it let's on to the place you lay hold o my skirt and i'll gie ye the lead i know the way every inch o it saying which he moves off the other doing as directed and following step for step a few paces further and they arrive at the grave beside which they again make stop in daylight it would show recently made though not altogether new a month or so since the turf had been smoothed over it the men are now about to disturb it as evinced by their movements and the implements brought along but before going further in their design body snatching or whatever it be both drop down upon their knees and again listen intently as though still in some fear of being interrupted not a sound is heard save the wind as it sweeps in mournful cadence through the trees along the hill slopes and nearer below the rippling of the river at length convinced they have the cemetery to themselves they proceed to their work which begins by their spreading out a sheet on the grass close to and alongside the grave a trick of body stealers so as to leave no traces of their theft that done they take up the sods with their hands carefully one after another and with like care lay them down upon the sheet the grass sides underneath then seizing hold of the tools spade and shovel they proceed to scoop out the earth placing it in a heap beside they have no need to make use of the mattock the soil is loose and lifts easily nor is their task as excavators of long continuance even shorter than they anticipated within less than eighteen inches of the surface their tools come in contact with a harder substance which they can tell to be timber the lid of a coffin soon as striking it the younger faces round his companion saying i told ye so listen with a spade's point he again gives the coffin a tap it returns a hollow sound too hollow for aught to be inside it no body in there he adds hadn't we better keep on and make sure suggests the other 
sir think we had and will once more they commence shoveling out the earth and continue till it is all cleared from the coffin then inserting the blade of the mattock under the edge of the lid they raise it up for it is not screwed down only laid on loosely the screws all drawn and gone flinging himself on his face and reaching forward the younger man groups inside the coffin not expecting to feel any body there but mechanically and to see if there be aught else there is nothing only emptiness the house of the dead is untenanted its tenant has been taken away i knowed it he exclaims drawing back i knowed my poor mary were no longer here it is no body snatcher who speaks thus but jack wingate his companion being joseph Preece. after which the young waterman says not another word in reference to the discovery they have both made he is less sad than thoughtful now but he keeps his thoughts to himself an occasional whisper to his companion being merely by way of direction as they replace the lid upon the coffin cover up all as before shake in the last fragments of luth earth from the sheet and restore the grave turf adjusting the sods with as much exactitude as though they were laying tessellated tiles then taking up their tools they glide back to the boat step into it and shove off on return downstream they reflect in different ways the old boatman of langoran still thinking it but a case of body snatching done by coracle dick for the doctors with a view to earning a dishonest penny far otherwise the thoughts of jack wingate he thinks nay hopes almost happily believes that the body exhumed was not dead never has been but that mary morgan still lives breathes and has being end of chapter thirteen read by lars rolander